0: I struggled with depression throughout the lockdowns, but I can only imagine how much greater it would have been had I not had Jesus by my side. He brought to mind the psalm, Be still and know that I am God. He tells us that he gives us this day our daily bread. And every day during those 82 days when I was in my home, I was reminded of God's daily watch care over us. So isn't it wonderful to know that if we know the end of the story we can be brave in a way that those who don't cannot Well it is certainly good to be with you today if you have your bibles would be if you turn to acts chapter 21, Acts chapter 21, we will be beginning this chapter today, uh, covering approximately the first 20 verses, and so I'm excited to dig in with you here, and then the next few weeks we will probably take a break from our adventures in Acts, uh, because the next three Sundays that I'm here are Easter Sunday, Mother's Day, and Father's Day. Um, So, the Lord willing, we will return to Acts in July. But today, we are starting Acts chapter 21. And, you know, as we've been looking at this story, it's really neat to be able to study it as a completed... Uh, long form narrative because you see how all these different things fit together and this is kind of the end of Paul's third missionary journey and I have titled uh, today's message simply determined obedience to God determined obedience to God and so That's what we're going to see from the Apostle Paul today, uh, because as we saw a while back, Paul determined in his heart through the Spirit of God that he needed to go to Jerusalem. And so he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to get some opposition to that plan in this passage today. But we're going to see how he deals with it. So let's look. Um, at the first seven verses. I'll go ahead and read these first seven verses and then we'll open in a word of prayer. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coas, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Pentera, and finding a ship sailing unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. <clears throat> now, when we, now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished these days, we departed and went our way and they brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city and we kneeled down out and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed and when we had taken our leave one of another we took ship and they mm-hmm. returned home again and when we had finished our course from Tyre we came to Patoma is, and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Apostle Paul, uh, for the journey that you have him on, and thank you for allowing us through the scriptures to join him on this journey. Lord, may we glean from your word that which you would have us to glean, and may we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this first section, we see, um, first of all, I just want to mention that in the original Greek, um, this phrase, when we had gotten from them, this is talking about leaving the Ephesians after he had said, I will never see your face anymore, meaning on this earth, he had the hope of eternity, but that's quite a sobering thing. And my understanding of the original language that this was written in is that got ourselves from them. is literally tore ourselves away. The last thing from a human perspective that Paul wanted to do was to leave these Ephesian brethren. But he knew that he had to, to continue on the course that God set for him. And we know that Paul was faithful because at the end of his course, he was able to say, I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. And now I'm ready to go be with Jesus. What a wonderful testimony that would be for us, that we would be able to say, I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. And that is following the example of our Savior. who When he was on the cross, he said, it is. Is finished he knew that he had done what he had been called to do so then we see some of the places that Paul is sailing toward and um, we just have a record of the travels like a travel log and it's just kind of neat to be able to think about them going from port to port Um, and then they uh, land at Tyre and they find disciples. And so they tarry there a week. And one of the things that was pointed out to me as I was studying this is that in a lot of these places where Paul is sailing through to go back to Jerusalem, he's finding disciples. And so the point was made that although Paul was instrumental in the early church, that there were that there were works that God was doing in the early church that did not directly involve Paul. God was growing his church. What did Jesus say? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God is doing that work now. And they said to Paul through the spirit that he he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, some scholars will say that Paul was wrong to not go to Jerusalem. But I believe that because Paul had been moved in the spirit several chapters ago to go to Jerusalem, and he wouldn't be dissuaded that God was using them to give warnings of what would happen, but that that wasn't to dissuade Paul. And the reason why I believe that so strongly is because there's at least two or three times when Paul says, I wanted to go do this, but the spirit forbade me. And Paul was obedient to the spirit forbidding him. Remember, he wanted to go one place, but the spirit forbade him. And so then God sent a man in a vision from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And Paul immediately left and went to Macedonia and helped. So he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. This wasn't a situation where he was missing the point. Um, but I think for whatever reason, God just wanted Paul to know this is the situation. But in all of these adventures that Paul had been on. God was faithful, and Paul knew that God would continue to be faithful moving forward. I like how verses 5 and 6 kind of compare to the end of Acts chapter 20. I bring you, uh, first of all, let's look at it again, 5 and 6. And when we had accomplished these days, we departed which interestingly enough, the we is there again. So Luke is including himself in this. And when we had accomplished these, day, these days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children until we were out of the city. And this is a common, was a common practice in the day to lead your friends and acquaintances out of the city when they were going on a journey. But here's where it gets uncommon. It says they kneeled down on the shore and prayed. What a wonderful way to send our friends and family from us is to pray for them as they depart. And when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship and they returned home again. So they're returning home to continue to fight the good fight where they are. Paul is going on to his mission. And these disciples warned Paul, but he was not to be diverted from his intention to go to Jerusalem because God had spoken to him that he was to go. And now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So Paul knew. Paul was obedient to the reveal, were, revealed word of God for him. And that was from Jack Arnold. And we can contrast this with Acts 20, 37 and 38, where we read, and they, were, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more and they accompanied him him to the ship. So in both of these places, we see people wanting to spend as much time with Paul as possible, going as far as they could with him because they did not want to say goodbye. What a wonderful thing to have people in our lives to whom we do not want to say goodbye. But also having the assurance to know that when two believers part, it's never goodbye for good. It's only see you later. As my grandpa used to say, when we would part ways, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. One of those three. What a wonderful guarantee that is. So, the next section of our passage today is Acts 21, 8-14. to And in this section, we see Paul visiting a friend that we met in Acts chapter 6, and then again in Acts chapter 8, Philip the evangelist. And he's also going to get a warning from a prophet named Agabus. So let's read these verses together. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed, and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, this being one of the seven original deacons in the early church, which included Stephen, who was stoned, and abode with him. And that same man had four daughters, virgins which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth the girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he heard, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep? And break mine heart, for I am ready not only to be bound, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, "The will of the Lord be done." So I find it interesting a couple things. First of all, he goes to the home of Philip the Evangelist. Isn't it good to have Christian fellowship? one with another. And then we read that while he was there, um, Philip's daughters prophesied. We don't have any information about what they prophesied or the purpose of it. But then we see that Agabus comes. And when he comes, he takes Paul's girdle and binds his hands and feet, and says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And then I see something really interesting. He says, And when we when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. So now Luke is including himself in this appeal to Paul Don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. Remember, the disciples said something similar to Jesus. They said, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. Why would you do that? And when Jesus said, I'm going to be bound and cast over to evil men, and they're going to crucify me, and I'm going to be raised up the third day, Peter said, perish the thought, Lord, far be it from you. And what did Jesus say? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus would not be dissuaded. He set his face as a flint. And Paul, taking his cues from his master, does the same thing regarding his trip to Jerusalem. And so, we see this prophecy by Agabus. We see the anguish of his friends. But then we see their ultimate devotion to God when they say the will of the Lord be done. That is kind of where Job's friends failed in the Old Testament. They consistently throughout the book thought that Job was wrong. They ridiculed him for what he was doing. But these friends of Paul just said, okay, if we can't dissuade you, all we can pray is that the will of the Lord Be done. And again, that's very reminiscent of what Jesus said when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. Remember, Paul's not saying I will die if I go to Jerusalem, but he's saying I'm willing to die. And I know that if that time comes for me, I need to be imbued with extra grace because I don't feel that today. But I know that I want to be that person who's willing to die for the sake of the gospel. Expressions of love, even tears, are proper and inevitable when we depart from a loved one. But emotional pleading must never be allowed to keep one from doing the will of God as God has directed him to do. When Martin Luther was on his way to face the the Diet of Worms, where he was sure to conflict with religious authorities and possibly be imprisoned or put to death, his dear friends tried to dissuade him. He answered, If there were more devils in worms than tiles on roofs, still I would go. That again is another observation from Jack Arnold. Let's look by way of cross remembrance at Acts 6, verse 5. Acts 6, verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procureus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. So we see the selection of Philip. Um as that deacon and of course we meet uh Philip again in Acts chapter 8 when he is giving the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch and gloriously the Ethiopian eunuch is saved and he says what doth hinder me to be baptized and Philip says the glorious words if you believe with all your heart you may and they went down into the water and the Ethiopian eunuch came up rejoicing and Philip was removed from that place and tradition tells us that the Ethiopian eunuch was a powerful evangelist for the area of the country that he went back to so what a wonderful privilege that is Matthew 16:21 to 23 Matthew 16:21 to 23 I did reference this but I still would like us to read it that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chiefs and priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it for you, you shall never have to But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, you, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, we don't know how much time passed between these two events. The Bible is not always linear. But in the same chapter, several verses before this, Jesus says in verse 13, When Jesus came into Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremias, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And also I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we have this great declaration by Jesus that Peter is right, that he is the Son of God, that the Spirit revealed it to him, and then um, we don't really see a gap There's no, end. it came to pass after this. So it very well could have been the same conversation. Peter's just had this mountaintop experience. He's declared by the power of the spirit that this is who Jesus is. And then Jesus talks about his duty and what he has to do. And Peter says, perish the thought, Lord, far be it from you. So how quickly we can go from highs to lows. I've learned a lot from Peter. I relate to him a lot because I'm good at at running my mouth before I have the chance to think. But God is faithful and He's forgiving and He's full of mercy. Ephesians six eighteen to twenty. Ephesians six eighteen to twenty. Pray all, always with all prayer and supplication. To with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am the master in bonds, and therein I speak boldly as I ought to speak. So, Paul was asking, after he talks about putting on the armor of God, he was asking for boldness to speak as he should speak. And I I think of that in the context of this going to Jerusalem, because if it was just him, if it was just a human desire to go to Jerusalem, he could have been like, well, I'll I'll go in a few months or a few years when tensions aren't so strong um maybe god did tell me to do this so that i could avoid it um but he listens to what god says and he proclaims uh the lord boldly wherever he goes you'll see that even as he goes to jerusalem so paul has a great deal of courage the courage of civil war leader stonewall jackson in the midst of conflict can be a lesson for the believer. Historian Mark Brimsley wrote, A battlefield is a deadly place, even for generals, and it would be naive to suppose Jackson never felt the animal fear of all beings exposed to wounds and death. But invariably, he displayed extraordinary calm under fire, a calm too deep and masterful to be mere pretense. His apparent obliviousness to danger attracted notice and after the first Manassas battle, someone asked him how he managed it. My religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in battle as in bed, Jackson explained. God knows the time for my death. I do not concern myself about that, but to be always ready, no matter where it may overtake me. He added, pointedly. that is the way all men should live, and then all would be equally brave. I thought about this um, as we went through the pandemic and I saw the concern and fear in so many. And I'll admit there were times when I was afraid and and was concerned, that is for sure. But there was definitely a marked difference between those who know where the, their eternity lays and those who don't. And often those who had no hope of eternity were the ones that were like, I have to do everything in my power and beyond to not get sick. Because if I get sick, then it's just going to be awful. And not to say that it wasn't awful, but those who had the the confidence of knowing the Lord Jesus and knowing that the future was secure whether they got sick or not fared much better I struggled with depression throughout the lockdowns but I can only imagine how much greater it would have been had I not had Jesus by my side he brought to mind the psalm be still and know that I am God he tells us that he gives us this day our daily bread And every day during those 82 days when I was in my home, I was reminded of God's daily watch care over us. So isn't it wonderful to know that if we know the end of the story, we can be brave in a way that those who don't cannot. So our third and final section of the passage today is Acts 21, 15 to 20. Acts 21, 15 to 20. And there we read. And after these, those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. There were with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them 1, Minsen of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews... There, were, there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And we will get into the second part of this verse um, when we get back to our study of Acts. But as we see in this passage, Paul's first thing that he does is he goes to the elders in Jerusalem and he declares the work that God had done through his ministry. It wasn't about what Paul had done. It was about what God had done. Paul presents a perfect pattern for all saints to emulate. When we experience success of any sort of ministry, we should not talk about what we did, but about what God has accomplished. It's, easy, it's an easy trap to fall into because the middle letter of pride is I. Note that Paul's humble attribution of the glory of God was his usual pattern. We read in Acts 14.27, When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Acts 15.4, When they had arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Acts 15.12, All the people kept silent and were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Paul saw himself as an instrument in the hands of God, or like a conduit through whom God's Spirit rushed like a mighty rushing river. For I would not presume to speak of anything except what God has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Romans fifteen eighteen. In the letter to the saints at Corinth, Paul explained his success... Um, which is the key to our success, for I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the Church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I laboured even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me first corinthians fifteen nine and ten finally, in second corinthians ten seventeen Paul wrote, he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. After he had greeted them, which means to enfold in one's arms, or to welcome, or to embrace, in the classical literature, apizomi was used of physical expressions, such as embracing and bestowing a friendly kiss. And we we read in some of uh, Paul's writings, greet one another with a holy kiss. Could we read, by way of cross reverence Romans fifteen eighteen and 19? I will not venture to speak of anything except what God has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God of what I have said and done by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So Paul is telling the Romans, I'm not going to talk about anything except for that which God has done through me. And I'm going to give God the credit. And as you read through these verses that we just shared together, Paul was constantly making sure that he gave God the credit for what had been done in the ministry. Paul was just the vessel. God went to Ananias and told him to go to Paul and put his hands on his eyes and pray for him, he said, Paul is my agent for the Gentiles. That is the the job to which I have called Paul. Um, so even though Ananias knew of Paul's past, that he had persecuted the church, he was obedient to go and to minister to Paul. And Paul was able to go from there to this great, ministry that God had given him because he was obedient to the heavenly call. Because God chased him down and brought him to his knees, literally. You want to talk about the sovereignty of God? You can see it in the Apostle Paul. He was zealous for what he thought were the things of God. He was going to put more Uh, Christians in prison. He had thought that he did the right thing when he stood by the stoning of Stephen. And yet, God met him on that Damascus road. And the people that were with him may have just seen a bright light, but Paul heard a voice. And it said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord responded, I am Jesus Whom thou persecutest. And then what does Paul say? After Jesus is done speaking, he says, What would you have me to do? And that is the responsibility of every redeemed believer to ask every single day, Lord, what would you have me to do? If you don't yet know the Lord, I pray that you will come to know him because you can't understand the written word of God. Until you come face to face with the Word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. It says in the book of John that if you believe on him, you will be passed immediately from death unto life. That happened to me gloriously when I was almost five years old. And I pray that if it has not happened for you, that it will happen today because the Bible says... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and for these adventures in Acts. We thank you for Luke being faithful to record them under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that we can enjoy them today. We pray that we would go forth from here emboldened to continue to share the gospel and even in places where we know we will have opposition because we know that it's the truth and the truth always prevails. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.